0: Entertainment, entertainment Marketing Welcome back! <laughs> Welcome back to Entertainment Marketing Confidential, where we discuss all topics surrounding entertainment marketing. As always, we're your hosts, Daphne, Craig, and we are joined by our producer Eric. Hello. How are you, Eric?
1: I, you know, I got free, and I from the last podcast. And now I'm, you know, what, I was able to stretch my legs. Get some fresh air after you guys soiled the air. What?
0: We just record one week. <laughs> I like your <her> hat. <laughs> I should say beanie.
1: <laughs> it's to cover my bed head. I don't shower.
0: Me neither. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm wearing a wig. <laughs> what is this? In-
2: what is this intro? What, what the are the hell we, we talking about? I'm in. <laughs> I'm in the shower. So.
0: <laughs> We're in the shower now. <laughs> So today we want to spend some time talking about entertainment marketing players. We have talked about placement versus brand integration, right. how it all comes together with promotions. Um, but
2: these aren't are like actual players like they don't play, they don't play anything like CDs, right? You
0: know I could punch you from here right. If I twist and use my core and reach. You know, they're not a
1: real player unless they play on PC. That's true. PC over console. That's true. That's for the real players we're play. Sorry.
0: <laughs> anyway, I think, you know, I mean, I think we'll all agree that sometimes the people behind entertainment marketing are more entertaining than what's on screen. Present company <laughs> included.
2: Di- I disagree. <laughs>
0: yeah, God, we're, I tell you, maybe there's no oxygen in this room. Uh, so we're going to spend some time going through the different entities involved with entertainment marketing, and as we always say, we're going to focus on film.
2: Let's call them players, though.
0: Nice players is so much more exciting, right? You guys are very <laughs> distracting. I'm trying to have a professional conversation with people right now.
1: <laughs> we're up. It's us. We're Phoebe, the I'm sorry.
0: Um, <laughs> as I was saying, we tend to focus on film because that's the medium. I think is probably more widely viewed and accepted.
2: It's also easier to spell in
0: television. 100%, 100%. (laughs) So without further ado, we're just gonna keep it super simple. We're gonna focus on production, studio, brand and agency, who are the people involved in entertainment marketing decisions and how they all work together.
2: So on the production side, the main people that we work with would be the prop master, the set decorator, uh, usually the costume designer or their assistant uh, the picture car coordinator in the transportation department uh, sometimes the talent uh, talent agents or
0: no I work with talent
2: Well, I see I, I don't work well I don't work with talent I don't work with talent Oh, then on my here, side. let
0: me let me erase that from your list okay go on
2: uh, the producers sometimes the executive producer as well. Uh, sometimes the director and even sometimes the writer. We work with a writer if we're on a project early enough and okay. they want some feedback from us as, you know, if we have any red flags as far as product goes. That's so really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, actually more times than not, they've been willing to make changes to uh, adjust things when oh, they wouldn't work for brands or brand categories if it's something pretty extreme. So
0: Now, can you just quickly go through... You know, what's a prop master? Prop is master decorator? is the...
2: Just a, he's the master of the props. Thank you. <laughs> Just like a stair master.
0: master of the stairs. <laughs> Sorry, yes. we're obsessed with what we do in the shadows, so...
2: Uh, yeah, the prop master is in charge of any anything that an actor is going to pick up and use, anything they touch.
0: So, uh,
2: like what? Well, so if an actor is drinking a beer, the prop master is in charge of making sure there are the proper or the necessary amount of beers on set that the actor can pick up and use in any given scene. If it's a cell phone, same thing. If it's sunglasses, same thing. Sometimes there's crossover with the wardrobe department when you get into accessories like watches and sunglasses, depending on how the production's set up. But most of the time, the prop master is dealing with those sorts of things. Uh, set decorators in charge of dressing out the sets. So it's background things, anything that's not going to be touched.
0: But what's interesting is, I was going to say, where you're talking about the prop master, and I guess the same would be said set, set for the set decorator and costume designer is you have, like I know for you, you read a script and then you go in and you take meetings with each of these departments mm-hmm. to get an idea of, Okay, you broke down the script and you have an idea what you think they're going to need.
2: Or where they're going to need it, yeah. And and then a, they,
0: wait, good point. Yeah. <laughs> because one script could take place in seven locations, yeah. seven different countries. So what they need, when they need it, where they need it, um, how much quantity they need. And yeah. these decisions are made in early pre-production. So right,
2: right. I'll get a wish list from each department based on what they need more specifically than what...
0: But you also make some suggestions as well, because yeah. you know from where you sit which brands or agencies or, you know, hey, you know what? But what I like is it's collaborative, because, again, yeah. I sit on the outside of what you do, and I could see what you do when you... I mean, you're the studio, essentially. Yeah, and- I
2: mean, you know, some productions have, have a lot more direction in terms of this sort of thing, and others are have no direction, so... You know, it, it's good to have some direction so you're not reaching out to everyone over the sun and yeah. trying to find things that ultimately they don't really want to use. Exactly. So, yeah, but you get a sense of style, color, colors they want to stay away from, quantities, you know, if you're talking about TVs, sizes, all that sort of thing. So, and
0: how does the producer and director kind of fit into that production equation?
2: Well, obviously the director is sort of the he's the he's the person that has to sign off on anything major on a production i mean a lot of times the department heads are kind of um you know they're in charge of their own areas and they kind of can make those decisions but you know they there's a lot of things that they have to show the director and give him choices Uh so you're talking show and tells and you need to get product for Uh just showing the actor or just showing the director and he may pick the styles of watches or styles of sunglasses or yeah, like styles of phones, so a lot of time that happens. So the director does have a lot of say in that because
0: oh, a lot of say depending on it's who it their is.
2: project and they want to they want it to look a certain way, they want it to feel a certain way. But
0: you'll get a sense early on. Like um, I had a film where the urn with someone's ashes was really a focal point, and the director had enough forethought to sketch out what he's looking for, which I thought just from someone who's leading a production, I think he was a gift to his department heads because instead of saying, no, 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 no a thousand times, he's like, no, this is these are the, these are the things and what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And then they'd go get it and skipping to a different director. Yeah. I, to this day, this show and tell is just burned on my psyche. This was one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen in my life. I've been to show and tells. I've seen directors do what they do, but this man, let's call him. So Transpo was there with the pictures of cars, the prop department, um, because a watch and then the electronic device, the lead character used, there's just a handful of things that were very, very prominent in this film. It's not like one, like if it's a scene where someone's just picking up something, it's I think one opinion. But if it's those brands or those objects that really stay through the entire film, director's going to have more say. This director would walk up to every table and he was so methodical. And he just took his time. He'd look at it from afar. He'd look at it up close. He'd touch it. He'd just pet it. Like, how does it feel in your hand? What's the weight? Because I think he's thinking... This particular object, this actor is going to hold for two months of shooting. Like, what does it feel like? And these were things that I never thought about. Like, just watching this, it was unreal. And he would go, no, I like this. Is it available bigger? Because he, in his head, he kind of knew what he was looking for. And then you get to, <laughs> to the cars. It was amazing. Okay, here's the three car options you like. They're only available in yellow. And there's only three of them on the planet. He does his, you know, his process. He goes, they're perfect. I need seven in purple or whatever the color was and just walks away. <laughs> and I lose at this transport captain. I'm like, unsung hero, because now it's his job. He's like, oh, okay. But they're so calm. They're so collected. And it's like, no, we'll fix this. And they're so creative. And that's what I love about these department heads is how they navigate and how they sort of manage the director, mm-hmm. how they manage talent, how they manage <clears throat> production resources. Like it's really interesting. Like you just think, I think people watch film and just say, oh, I just saw some stuff on screen and you don't really spend, and nor should you spend a lot of time thinking about the people behind the film.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the magic of movie making, right? No one really, right? no, no audience really knows what goes on behind the scenes. If they did, it wouldn't be magic anymore. I but. tell
0: you, is it State and Maine? <laughs> Watch the movie. <laughs> oh, I saw it a
2: long time ago. There, actually, a, in a similar story to you, in a different uh, but going in a different direction, is I. I had a film where the director wasn't necessarily involved as much in the show and tell process. I don't believe, but he sure had something specific in mind, or maybe not specific in mind. We had to show and tell over. 80 cars for, <laughs> for him to pick one <laughs> so that was fun because I had to help orchestrate multiple show and tells with vehicles and if anyone knows getting vehicles from point A to point B on a certain day when you've got very short notice in certain colors when you know there's not a large inventory from different companies can be a little tricky so that was an interesting uh, interesting uh process
1: I Can, love,
0: oh, wait, uh, yeah, Go I ahead. was
1: gonna ask, because like you guys keep saying show and tell and you know, from context and just from the name of it, like I know generally what that means, but um is is a show and tell a very common thing on a production? Yeah, it's
0: mandatory. It's exactly yeah. what you think it is. You know how you're in kindergarten, you bring in your favorite book and you talk about it.
2: They get kindergartners to show the director <laughs> products <laughs>
0: to read books about them. um every film, like we have a film well I have a film right now in England where we have to get product to because if I'm an actor. And you want me to wear a watch? I need to try it on because sometimes you put something on; it's super uncomfortable. It doesn't fit you right. It's too. I, I have a lot with. Sorry, with some male actors' watches. Some of them, the watch face is too big for their wrist. It's like they have to. They have to go vote. Oh, I like this. I like that. Ooh, we should probably remember this. Remember this note when we talk about outreach. Because one of the best things about doing outreach to talent. Guess what happens when they go into their show and tell and they've been using that phone for a month? Oh, that one, because they know how it works remind me um so yeah it's just let's talk about it let's look at it and let's pick the hero props yeah and i was gonna say we had this one film and this actor again the actor i will never question their process or how they make decisions for themselves because they do fantastic films and they do fantastic things for brands and I think it's because they always pick things that really work for the film and really work for them and that they use in a good way. Mm-hmm. But it's just the funniest story. Talent had to pick a f- We show this person 25 to 30 f- We painted a f- He passed on a different color and sent it back, say, okay, this is the last one. And we're like, Hail Mary pass, what the hell are we gonna do? Talent's like, that one's perfect. How come I haven't seen a? like this before and we're all just going doo, 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 doo. <laughs> but sometimes you have to do that mm-hmm. and then they understood later like oh no 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 this makes sense but yeah, yeah show and tells are fun and wild and we could probably talk for two days about show and tell. Yeah.
2: One, one more note on show and tell I think that's important for brands is that sometimes you can get a little resistance from brands who don't want to send product just for a show and tell because it's not they're sending to set, this is what they're mm-hmm. going to use, but the show and tell is a great place Wait. for them to get product in front of the production, if in you, front of the actors, in front of the directors.
0: But if you don't provide product, what is your chance of actually being in the movie? Um, well, that the, would be zero.
2: Well, no, but that's my point, is that some brands don't understand that that is part of the process. Then maybe they that's need an agency way, way, who yes. has an
0: inventory, and you can handle these things for them. Oh, is that... <laughs> like, But it's well, true. Yeah. Well, but they no. like, why are we sending this? And especially if right. it's something like watches, that's a high value. Yeah. Like we've had situations where one of our, you know, a brand, it was hard for them to schedule this one particular car because there wasn't a lot of them. And it would do car shows, it would do press. And we couldn't get the vehicle to the show and tell. So my colleague shows up at the show and tell. Mind you, every other car brand managed to get their car there. And he literally showed up with the catalog. <laughs> and there's other car brands who really get it right they'll fly over the prototype put it in a hanger and then invite the director to go see it meanwhile we're sending there with the catalog <laughs> and then why didn't we get the placement i i don't know i
2: yeah. it's weird but it, it is very common and i just think well, it, i get
0: it. it's a hard pill to swallow especially yeah. but to me that's
2: but if you want to get into a project, I mean, that's a great, it's a great thing to send product for. It's usually not a ton and you're getting it right in front of the people who and make those decisions. And get it back.
0: That's yeah. the thing is, then we could send it to another film. But I get it, you yeah. know, for some industries and for some brands, it's hard, you know, but then here we go. I've had other clients where, now this would be going back to before I joined Propaganda. So that was a while ago where Propaganda is working on this, great film and there's a particular type of phone that was needed and the head of marketing just went, Oh, here you go. Turned over his prototype. Like he had one of the only ones he said, no, here, take it. There you go. I was working on a film, uh, where a watch was a plot point And this was a very, very high end watch. Like this was a couple hundred thousand. And I mean, how many of those are laying around this gave us his watch because he's like, Oh no, that's way more important than me having a watch. There you go. Like, I love it. I love when a brand goes, oh, hell yeah, let's move. But also, you know, there's that client onboarding, you know, letting them understand you're going to need to move. You are going to need to move. And you're probably going to have to move quick with no notice. And it's also strange as much as we rush to get to a show and tell, then you have to it's that hurry up and wait. Because you'll do the show and tell, and then how long before we find out what brand decisions were made? Mm-hmm. It could be instantaneous, or two months later,
2: or the director gets called into a meeting, and the show and tell gets pushed another day. So you just got to be and ready. Enter Brett that. New
0: Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to be I ready. I should call him in to tell his story. You, yeah, yeah, you just have to
2: be ready for that. But as long as a brand is ready to move and can move quickly, then.
0: It's, but it's it's important. It's yeah. really, really a big step in our process.
2: So to answer your question, Eric, yes, it's very common. <laughs> yeah, and very important.
0: Yeah. Um, was, I like to move into sort of the other big player in all of this. So we have production, and then we have the studio. And from where I sit, I work with promotions or partnerships, kind of depending on the nature of the studio. And then these, this is the team responsible for activations, promotions, etc., Um, I also sometimes work with physical production and that would be production admin. That's, you know, they're not the creative execs, but they're the execs that oversee the physical, the day to day of people on a location, shooting a film. And we work with legal because you obviously need clearances. Um, but probably for me, the most important and my personal favorite is the production resources department, because. Typically, any magic I try and generate starts with placement, Um, even though, as I said, it's possible to do a wonderful partnership without placement, but this starts with the production resources department, and I'm very thankful that some studios still have them because that's where I got my start. Um, That department typically is, is, was under physical production. Now, in some places, it falls under promotions, which I think it belongs in production, but no one cares what I think, and this is where Craig sits. So Petmark as a function is production resources. So if you have a production company that doesn't have the bandwidth or 50 billion employees, they outsource to Craig to handle that function. And this is the team that they're, it's such a, since I'm not, I don't do that anymore, I could say this, like it's such an interesting department because you really are accountable to the head of the studio, you interface with all the big directors, you know, for a small department, they wield a lot of power and influence. And again, they're such a great resource for productions and for agencies and for brands. So they get scripts, they know the development slate, they try to get ahead of whatever brand crazy is coming their way. Well, in advance,
2: um, they interface with all those departments you just said. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Like to me, that's kind of, I don't want to say ground zero. That's the center. That's the heart and soul of the studio for me. Um, I still love my promotion peeps. Um, but again, I'm a little bit biased because that's also the department I was in (laughs) and I've seen it. I know how it feels firsthand and it's, it would be, you know, maybe, you know, I'm going to skip over to agency because the production resources department would be the department at the studio, again, along with promotions and partnerships that they're the ones who engage the brands and then the entertainment marketing agencies, and over at the Entertainment Marketing Agency, um, we're structured in a way where we have studio contacts. Because when I was at the studio, it bothered me that I had four or five contacts at every agency. It made me bonkers because I don't know who I'm supposed to talk to about what film and what client and what the hell is going on. So when I you know started working with propaganda, one of the things I wanted to do is, you have a studio buddy. Like, I worked on all films. Hi, Craig. Um,
1: Hi. And
0: then I had... You develop those relationships and you kind of learn that shorthand of getting things done quickly and efficiently. And then you have a client manager and that's the person who's that day-to-day for the client who interfaces with the brand. They're the one the brand goes to, they do the brand reporting and the agencies are structured differently. Sometimes it's the same person, sometimes it's not, whatever. But at the agency, there's that sort of production and client person. And then those are the people, the studio contact in the agency agency is who deals with production resources and promotions and then i should probably finish that statement with the client manager in an agency is usually the one who deals with the brand or the client and then the players on that end would be the brand day-to-day contact and their bosses because as we know everybody everywhere is accountable to somebody somewhere and if you wanna go back to the studio, cause it's like this big circle of players. Mm-hmm. And then you do these meetings. What's kind of fun is you ha- if you have a really interesting integration or promotion, you're gonna have promotions, production resources. You're gonna have the creative people to studio. You're probably gonna have the director. You're probably gonna have the producer.
2: I'm definitely gonna have legal.
0: Yep, And then you're gonna bring the brand in and your agency. And you have these meetings and it's just everybody and their mother, but I kind of dig them because you know you're doing something good when you get all those people in one place. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: <laughs> who's the hard, uh, hardest to deal with? Daphne.
2: <laughs> I agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Try to drink water. I'm spit it. No. What do you mean?
1: Like between all the players, between the the brand and the agency and the studio, that like who? I don't know. That I there's someone who's league. hardest.
2: I think they're all they're all unique in their own way. It's just they'll have their own. I
0: don't think any of them are difficult. No, it's just a- uh, Because everyone has their filter. Yeah. Or what do you want to say? Like, um, like everyone has their job to do. Oh, yeah,
2: their niche. Everyone's Everyone they fits into that function. wheel. Everyone fits into exactly. that
0: Exactly. Everyone's a piece of that pie. Yeah. Everyone's a finger on that hand.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any more metaphors?
1: <laughs>
2: I am to check. Well, fuck I mean, you. we can. I wanna, fuck I you. I want to hear like three more and then we can move on. What's a piece of that pie?
0: <laughs> can we get pizza for everyone's lunch? Everyone's a spoke
2: in that wheel. <laughs> everyone's a chocolate everyone's a chip on in that. that mouth. Everyone's a chocolate chip on that cookie. <laughs> everyone's a raisin in that bagel. Um... Okay, that's pretty good. You, you, know
1: what, you know what, the bagel one was a little uh, tangent of the cookie one, yeah, so I'm not gonna give you that. I'm not well, gonna give you that.
2: I like <laughs> I like baked goods, so. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a raspberry in that raspberry tart. Everyone's a sprinkle on You're that <laughs> <laughs> huh. <laughs> Everyone's a crater. Welcome to
0: Entertainment Market Confidential with Daphne, the producer, Eric. <laughs>
2: Everyone's a crater on that moon.
0: Okay, so back on topic. <laughs> so, who's the hardest? Um All right, I'm going to answer that question. Um
2: Are you going to use hardest or are you going to change that adjective?
0: No. Okay. Um I think the most <laughs> challenging is the client is the brand. Okay. Oh, okay. And that makes the reason sense. I'm going to say that is uh production studio and here's where it's kind of interesting the you know production studio and the agency operate entertainment culture we speak the same language we understand you know why a particular project we inherently get the power you just say a name of an actor and we get it um, the director we get it um, as opposed to people who read whatever gossip online this is our day-to-day we know the landscape we know what's coming down the pipeline we know it's in development we know, as you we were saying, like music labels are going to push. We know the trends and the studio's uh, production. We're all kind of on the same page. Uh, the brand isn't on that page. But here's what's really fascinating about how all this works. Over there in brand culture, you have the brand and they have very valid concerns. They have very different priorities. They have a brand story to tell. They have, you know they have their own pri again their own priorities but the brand the entertainment marketing agency and promotions all speak the same language and that's what's kind of fun so you know just because i said the brand has more challenges that doesn't mean they're difficult or infuriating or any different than anybody else on that big so it's good like, Craig was referring to so it's to. like two <laughs> languages
2: right so it's like a bilingual well, well it's true it's
0: like but literally of- it's Brand culture and entertainment culture. And they're very, very different because production, as we say, it's about capturing magic. It's the Wild West. I mean, obviously, studios have stockholders now. Their stockholder accountability. The bottom line matters. You know, we want to make bigger pictures. We want more profit. We have known IPs. We want built-in audiences. And basically, all that bullshit drives licensing. That's a whole other podcast. But a brand has... It's similar. They want to generate a profit they want to present their product in the best way they want to engage customers so on the surface it's two very different languages but they're also very very similar um peanut
1: butter
2: and jelly i'm gonna kill both of you
0: no not at all like that
2: peanut butter and honey
0: peanut butter and chocolate fuck you both reese's (laughs) um et did its job um it really I tell you. So, what's the hardest? Dealing with you two motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think it's just I'm more familiar with production speak, so it's more natural. I've had colleagues that came out of ad agencies and they come from commercial entities. Like, it's just, it's very different language and shorthand. And it's, but I find it super interesting because, you know, when we go to pick a project or we decide on a promotion or what we're going to place or how we're going to do what we do, I've always enjoyed the conversations. Like I would say, well, I, okay, I'm making this up. Like I could say internally. No, uh, one colleague said, you didn't explain what the story's about. So basically I had a coworker who was working on this film and one of the brand day-to-day people, you didn't explain how am I supposed to sell this? I chimed in with robots do more shit is the log line. If you can't sell in Transformers 2 after the success of Transformers 1, you're in the wrong industry. Um, But for a brand, for me to say, oh, it's a really anticipated sequel. Oh, it's a great director. But there's a million reasons why I would find a project relevant based on the creative attached to it, either the strength of the script, strength of talent, uh, things the producers have been doing. But from the brand side, they're going to go, um, but how does that fit our brief? <laughs> so it's internally, I have to dust off my NBA <laughs> marketing <laughs> international business and speak a completely different language You know, with my colleagues and with the brand. You know, But I still think that cool factor is relevant to decision making, but it's kind of fun. Just how all these people interact, how they communicate, what their priorities are, what they need to be doing, what their day-to-day is. But I also think, mm-hmm. as you're saying, when we sit in the middle, that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. I and mean, that's why we could do this for 20 years. It's like every year it's a new job. Yeah.
2: When I mean, you're in the middle of the cookie, everyone's
0: around <laughs> Craig might be <laughs> We did go to this morning before work. <laughs> Cut that. And ran into a coworker. In <laughs> <laughs>
2: and oh. he
1: didn't bring some for the rest of us we also saw a director <laughs> Craig, and a it. client manager Do we talk about Do we talk a lot about um, uh, the structure of brands like brand contact and their bosses like who she.
2: Oh, she Well, she
1: talked a little about, bit yeah, a little because bit. it's
0: very different change, you know, yeah, every... it depends on the size of the brand like there's some where they have an entire department where you have someone who's literally the head of entertainment strategy mm-hmm. and they have maybe someone who handles gaming, film, TV underneath them and then they probably report into a board member or the CMO, um, which that's always interesting because that's very high profile internally. And so whatever decision they make, it either can be a career maker or career breaker. Um, for other brands, there's one person. Yeah. Like, they're, like we know, I, there's some multinational companies who have one person navigating entertainment marketing. And one in particular, I mean, yeah, she's amazing. I don't know how she does it. Mm-hmm. Um, she deals with all territories um she's very engaged she's very active and then there's some who just kind of passively go whatever um there's so it some, depends on the brand
2: yeah there's some that you're dealing with is the owner of the brand yeah yeah so it just yeah it depends it re- on how they're structured and how big they are
0: so i would say in every instance you're going to have a brand contact mm-hmm. and that brand contact may or may not have a boss but when i made the joke everybody's accountable to somebody somewhere they are um maybe if It's the owner and they make a misstep and something goes poorly. Maybe they're going to get the backlash on social media. I think there's, you know, you're accountable. So I I, I do understand for a brand before they move on a project or they move on a promotion, there's so many factors. You know, one's if kind of, we've talked about this before. One's if talent pulls out and starts saying horrible things about your brand or the category. Like say if you have fur clothing or Mm -hmm. what happens if, yeah. You do a placement thing. It's so going be one thing and you're know, that electronics company. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, someone's doing blow off your stereo. You know, I get mm-hmm. it. You know, they, they take risks. But my advice to those brands would be, you know, are you right? Most of the time, then go for it. And I know that sounds cavalier, but the thing is, have a smart PR response, you know, talk to your social marketing team, talk to your PR team and when things go south or things go wrong or you're involved in a production or you have something to say, kind of think about what your response would be. And I think when brands just kind of say, stuff happens, it'll be a cool movie. I think that's the best response. But it's always interesting because you look at all the things a brand has to deal with. And then even an agency, you have different clients, you have so many projects, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a studio, the team we talked about production resources and partnerships, they're working on a lot of movies. They're not just working on this one. So there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of players, and they all have a job to do. Everyone from the PA to the first assistant director. I mean, everyone has a role in whatever project. And, you know, I remember when I was, it sounds super cheesy, but I remember with the logo with the woman with the torch or Tristar when that what was that, a unicorn? What the hell is that thing, that Pegasus thing? Pegasus, there? yeah. <laughs> Whatever that thing was, the horse with wings that would go across the screen. I remember I was always so proud because I knew whenever I saw that logo. I mean, it's, and by the way, it's not just the people we've talked about behind the scenes. This is just entertainment marketing decisions. When you look at a studio, I, oh my God, I mean, co op advertising. I mean, there are so many people behind the scenes. Like mm-hmm. the business of making movies is fascinating.
2: I, I would actually add one person to this to the production side that we left off was the art department because a lot of times for me, I'm having Mm -hmm. I'm having to source artwork. I'm having to um, get approvals for things that they want to use, and so
0: I I uh, tend to work with them. What about period films? Exactly,
2: yeah, period. So trying to source period labels from products so that they can then blow those up print those out and then a wrap if it's cans if it's bottles I
0: remember trying to find period snicker labels
2: I mean even signage period signage I've had to do so it's you do end up working with the art department quite a bit and I'm sure you do get asked that from studios a lot I just remember when I was at
0: the studio like, like going back to entertainment marketing product placement what's great like when you are working with the art department and you're trying to establish 1950s what were the brands then thank Mm -hmm. god they're still around Mm -hmm. and that's where production resources puts in the call to their friends at coca-cola open up that museum we need some artwork
1: do brands make
2: sure to uh, archive uh designs
0: oh yeah
1: okay yeah Uh,
2: they do but uh, a lot of them like
0: png a lot of them
2: don't so sometimes you have to find stuff online like pictures online and then if the brand approves okay that is accurate then you can get that picture to production but some brands haven't archived their stuff as well as you'd hope so it's not universally done
0: I feel I mean Coca-Cola is just amazing at that they had the most wonderful like beautiful archive of like magazine ads and signage and like the tins you'd see in a garage I just thought that was wonderful PG's the same way like all their brands are just they get it they get the heritage and Mm -hmm. they keep it and I love when brands will place that um we worked with a jewelry company and they were really well known <clears throat> for a particular actress filming a Cleopatra movie in Rome and i worked on a film contemporary where they pulled this photo of a necklace she wore in oh god like in 1960 and just from their archives like production wanted this particular necklace and this jewelry brand actually no Can't have that one. Can we make a replica? And just fun fact for everyone, replica jewelry is called paste jewelry. Why? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. They glue it together? I don't know. But I love when a brand embraces their heritage and can help the art department. Or there's some brands, like if you have production resources or again, the set decorator, if they have to decorate, like they have to recreate like a racetrack or whatever the environment, like they're trying to create Set dressing to go to a brand and utilize production resources and just come up with, hey, look, we don't have that particular thing, but a brand will make special artwork in the digital file for them. Like I love when like a brand will collaborate, but the heart of all of that is production resources at the studio. And I always feel kind of in the center of all of this is you have that production resources person. And then a lot of times, just from my experience, working with propaganda is as the agency day-to-day contact to being in the studio buddy, like we're in the center of all of it. And as I talk about my friends who does promotions of the studio, it's that same. Like we're in the center, I don't wanna say of a storm, but we're the one that could kind of pull and activate all these different entities just to create someone's vision.
2: And I'd, I'd say for some of those opportunities where it does call for period product or period signage, that. Also, can end up being a great basis for a partnership. If, if a brand wants to celebrate their heritage, I've seen programs like that that have been really cool. I'd love to do one of those because yeah. usually
0: I have, in my experience, I get brands where they have something new, mm-hmm. where they want to focus on the future, not on the past. But I've always been interested, and I think heritage plays are appealing because if you have a history of a hundred years, be proud of that. Like sure. we kind of joked the other day about Blade Runner, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. wah wah you know where those brands go
2: well yeah and in and, and with that play if you're celebrating a brand's heritage they could then recreate one of their famous timepieces, if it's watches or something from the past do a special edition run for that partnership people yep. it gets yeah. people excited yeah. Yeah, and people that didn't have access to those older older models of their product and then get something that looks like that but is as you know brand new so it's it's kind of a cool Swatch
0: needs to do that. It's want, cool thing to actually do. Swatch is doing that. They're kind of doing some 80s inspired watches. Now the last entity I think we've sort of left out of this a little bit is the audience. Um, there's a way haha could try to make me laugh. It's totally going to work. When we make the decisions about entertainment marketing, what role does the audience play?
1: The one eating the donut the baked good yeah the big exactly
0: yeah so you could have some idea sort of who your audience is what motivates them and how to do programs that inspire and entertain them and i think as we go into the future i think really understanding your audience is going to influence some of the decisions these players make
2: and ultimately they're they're the ones that let you know if your program worked or not or your. Integration worked or not because they respond in one way or another.
0: How, so how would we judge success on our programs?
2: Well, these days social media is going to play a big part. We uh, see a like lot like
0: uptake of, in online conversations. Yeah, or? I'd
2: say online conversations, and then you've got if if well, I've seen several examples of something that was perceived as uh, not being a very. Uh, Successful integration or placement because people will start talking about it as it being. Uh, so you say a placement, just uh Um, sorry, this <laughs> is as a, as a placement being too blatant or too obvious or stopping the story, taking people out of it. And, oh, you know, and I'll bitch like, about
0: that. You stop my yeah, you know oh, exactly. my YouTube. Exactly, we or... talked about
2: it in previous episodes, but the audience is the. One, I mean, especially today with the internet, I mean, it's like anyone can speak up about that sort of thing, and you do see a lot of blowback when something doesn't feel organic to the content
0: and when you talk about social media you know a lot of brands think what's the roi 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 okay roi is important however i think a more interesting measure of success is that social conversation is looking at social media like if you're a brand who has no social presence and then you have a really cool integration or partnership and there's an increase in conversations about your brand that's a win. Like, I think it's always interesting to me how a brand would measure success because I think generating conversations should be one of the, what like, critical ways of gauging success.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: Yeah. All right. So those are some of the players, some they will never talk to us again. Um, if you have any questions, you know, as always, write us at info at pentmark.com or info at propagandagem.com. Until next time, I'm Daphne. I'm Craig. And this is Entertainment Marketing Confidential.